Good afternoon, Star Wars fam, especially to my fellow Sith brothers and sisters, purebloods, cultists, lastly, rebel scum on the run to another edition of My Life on Exegol. For those of you new to the neighborhood or have been around the block for a while, welcome to my very own Star Wars podcast. One Sith Lord ran and operated from an unknown location. (laughs) We like to travel, but I enjoy talking about my journeys through the Star Wars galaxy. I definitely hinge a lot on the reading my tattoos, my collecting, and lastly, anything watching on the big screen or a little screen. I wanted to kind of change things up a little bit because I did stumble upon a different reading order than what I initially had. And it was actually even more thorough than the one I had. So, I had to change it up. I wanted to share with everybody a definitely more than thorough reading list that I found on the Expanded Universe. I, when I typed out my reading order from this website, obviously I had skipped the Dawn of the Jedi stuff, three comic series and a novel, and it jumped right into Tales of the Jedi. For the most part, I have followed this reading list, but there is a lot of little stuff in between that I was not necessarily aware of because I had made a very broad reading list. And then finding this reading list on Expanded Universe, I was like, well, shit, now I have to (laughs) go back to some stuff that I thought we had cleared. And it works out because it allows us to flesh out some stuff with what we've already reviewed. So I've got to go back to Tribe of the Sith, which is the novel that I purchased a few months ago. I got John Jackson Miller to inscribe it. I've got to go back for that because... Lost Tribe of the Sith starts taking place during the Tales of the Jedi comics and it continues throughout Old Republic, even post-Bane era, etc., which obviously I'm not there yet. I also became aware of Star Wars Tales, Shadow and Light, which is... I couldn't tell if it was issue 21 or 23 that takes place... Before Tales of the Jedi Redemption. KOTOR 0 through 51, we've read and reviewed. War 1 through 5, Revan, 
Uh, Star Wars Tales number 24 I need to go back for. Deceived we've already talked about. I need to track down, which now I've got to look at this reading order. Uh, I've already done the Jedi, Tales of the Jedi. We've already talked about all those. Uh, I need to go all the way down. Oh, this list is so thorough. Shit. <laughs> Skipped it. Mm. Go back, go back. Mm. Need to go up. Hmm. No, not the page, the reading order. Yeah, apparently there's some other stuff that takes place in between Knights of the Old Republic. Including some short stories and some random Star Wars tales that I was not initially aware of. I'm going to try and go back using this very thorough reading order. Obviously now I'm biting off even more than I can chew. Today I wanted to explore a short story that involves a character that we met during the Knights of the Old Republic, Demigol, who we knew as the Mandalorian researcher on the station Flashpoint. We know at some point Demigol and Roland traded places. And eventually Demigol's real identity would be revealed to Jarrell later on. As somebody... Now I gotta go back through even more of my notes. Shit! <laughs> Help if I spell his name right. La la la. So we find out that <laughs> Demigal was eventually Antos Warwick who was a scientist that had connections to Jarrell and her origins. Of course, when Demigal and Roland in the KOTOR series, when they trade places unbeknownst to everybody else in the story until the very end, They notice, or at least the crew, Zane, Marn, and Squint, everybody at least noticed to some degree that Roland has suddenly become very protective of Jarrell. And they don't initially understand it until Antos's identity is later revealed. Um, when Demigal switches armor with Roland. He joins Carrick's crusade under the guise of Roland. 
they discover once Demigal or who they thought was Demigal later on is being tried for his crimes against the Republic. When his helmet is eventually removed, they discover, oh shit, that's not Demigal, that's Roland. Now they got to try and find the real Demigal. Anyways, long story short, discovered in the expanded universe timeline this short story that John Jackson Miller wrote titled The Secret Journal of Dr. Demigal, which was published and featured on StarWars.com back in 2010. I have to say, it definitely is a short story. Now, keep in mind, it took me a few hours to read this because obviously I was reading and taking notes at the same time. But because I enjoyed the KOTOR series so much, I really appreciated having a different perspective on it. Obviously, when you're in the series front seat with Zane and Jarrell, you kind of look at things a little differently, but having this little short story to read, it really was a lot of fun to kind of follow along in Demigal's journal. So, let me go back up towards the top. I ended up finding this short story. Now, I did have to Google it. I initially went to StarWars.com and tried to find it, but I could not figure out where exactly it was. So, I was taken to a link on Unbound Worlds, which has it archived. Now, John Jackson Miller also wrote a couple of other KOTOR short stories, which eventually I'll have to go back and get into. But today, I wanted to talk about The Secret Journal of Dr. Demigal. This was one of the short stories that when I met John Jackson Miller back in March at GalaxyCon, This was one of the short stories that he referenced to me when I asked about how Jarrell managed to get her hands on XR Kun's lightsaber. Unbeknownst to me, initially, XR Kun's lightsaber was one of the many artifacts the Momo brothers stole when they visited the Covenant's for the lack of a better term, storage house or warehouse. Watching Demigal's point of view on the KOTOR series unfolding, at least when they finally get their hands on the lightsaber, It's an interesting perspective. I will say at least that much. So, without further ado, 
Dr. Demigal's secret journal. Now, for those of you trying to place this chronologically, it does take place during the Knights of the Old Republic series, which transcends 3964 to 3963 BBY. They are not necessarily titled chapters. Some of the entries are rather short. Not all of them I titled like he did. Some of them I did. So going through, you'll hear me say entry number, whatever, entry number. And then some of them you'll hear me mention the entry number with a title. To me, those seemed a little bit more for helping place context with where we are within the Knights of the Old Republic series. He does not necessarily span the entire series, but with that being said, he also doesn't touch on everything, especially in the latter half that Jarrell goes through with um, her journey. So I will say at least that much. Starting with entry 6005, which is the first entry. Demigal talks about how Mandalore has called a meeting with his advisors and finally acknowledges Demigal's contributions by awarding him Flashpoint Stellar Research Station to continue his research. The base was recently captured. Demigal talks about his greatest setback 20 years ago, which eventually I have an idea of what that may be, although he refers to it a couple times in the journal. But when we get later on to when he finally meets up with Jarrell in the story, I think it kind of puts the setback in greater context. But when he talks about it here initially, he says, even though despite this setback, how he still manages to have the confidence of their leader, Mandalore. Demigal also apparently has some beef with Cassis Fett. A lot of that boiling down to their differences of opinion on the role the Mandalorians see themselves in this war with the Republic. Cassus Fed apparently sees them as weapons, whereas Demigal wishes to craft them into a scalpel. Obviously, Demigal being a scientist and a researcher, we know from the KOTOR series that his... Flashpoint Research Station, its main purpose was to study Jedi captives. Eventually, 
he does have some notable captives that come into play, which we will meet them in his journal again. But I find it fascinating, Demigal's perspective and just the differences of perspective. Obviously, we've seen before differences of opinion and views about the Mandalorians, or excuse me, about the Jedi's position in the war. But now we finally have a difference of opinion within the Mandalorians, which is interesting. Military perspective versus scientific perspective. Moving to entry 6019. Demigal refers to Flashpoint as having a death embrace with its son and remarks about how the day and night seem to rocket by. However, magnetic shields permit surface habitation. He also talks to about the power of the Jedi as being a gift from the stars and how it dwarfs any Republic scientist findings or secrets. Of course, he points out that he is known as Demargal, uh, a.k.a. the Flesh Carver. He briefly talks about his low birth as a slave. Then after he was freed, he became a Mandalorian recruit. And apparently he was also a med student within the Republic after the war. These entries will kind of come out as either complete sentences or bullet points. So bear with me on the format. Moving towards entry 6025, Demigal talks about the first transports arriving with Jedi prisoners. Two of them, a Roydian and a human. He apparently finds humans rather boring. He also touches on his beef with Pulsifer, who we also met. In the KOTOR series. Apparently Pulsifer was responsible for bringing these prisoners in. Now Pulsifer has been ordered to be Demigol's aide here at Flashpoint. Which he does not like at all. However, he comments on at least they can agree on one thing. That the Force is a pseudoscientific claptrap. However, their biggest disagreement is that Demigal believes that the Force is genetic, whereas Pulsifer attributes the Force to uses of talismans and trinkets. Entry 6062, two more transports arrive, jackpot, 
apparently these prisoners are from Serja, and they are referred to as crusaders who were trying to lead a revolt against the Mandalorians. Demigal is thankful that Mandalore managed to hide their numbers so well on Onderon and Dachshund. He recognizes the man responsible for bringing these prisoners here as Roland the Runner. Apparently, Roland is nothing more than a skilled shock trooper because of his tendency to run off and be nosy. Demigal mentions also he was aware of at one point Roland was asking questions about him but seemed to pay him no mind, at least at this time. Demigal's first two test subjects are already dead, so he is optimistic that one among these two transports will be successful. Entry 6066, titled Squint, that name should sound very familiar to you, Demigal refers to Squint as a marvel of a specimen, how he's managed to block out all of the pain with his Jedi powers. He survived irradiation, electroshock, and stress tests on the racks. Demigal has spared him the most invasive test because he considers it a shame to kill him. If only my project had ended more happily, what a force we could have been. And I put a couple question marks here because I'm not sure if he's talking about the setback from 20 years ago or his current project. That I I didn't quite understand the context in which he spoke here. Squint apparently ranks high on the Warwick Index. Again, question mark. Because... At the time, we did not know Demigal's true identity as Antos Rorik. And I do not recall anyway, at least in my KOTOR notes, when we finally meet Demigal at Flashpoint before Zane and them arrive. I do not recall reference to this Rorik Index. Anyways, Demigal marks about Squint wearing a sheer look of hate that even he himself cannot break. Says that Squint appears to have been born hating Mandalorians and welcomes war with them. Must end in vivisection and does not want to meet this guy in a dark alley. Now... Again, not entirely sure, unfamiliar with the word vivisection, but Googling it, apparently vivisection is the practice of performing operations on live animals for the purpose of experimentation or scientific research, which 
I guess that's the difference between vivisection and dissection. Dissection is where the subject is deceased, whereas vivisection, they are alive. My apologies, I was not familiar with the word. Going back to my notes, entry 6087, Mandalore's shadow war is done. Full-scale invasion of the Republic has begun. Demigol himself welcomes this because it means more specimens for the taking. However, he worries that the Republic will collapse before he can produce results. He refers to his work on Osadia and the New Generation Project. And how he did not have adult living Jedi to study, just preserved samples. This may or may not be the great setback he refers to 20 years ago. Demigal has managed to study the Jedi's physiology and molecular structure, but still knows very little about what makes them a Jedi and has determined at this time that the Force is an external phenomenon. Demigal is also positive that Pulsifer is telling Mandalore about his failings here on Flashpoint and remarks how Pulsifer seems to have a fascination with the Jedi's lightsabers and dreams of a spirit that will emerge from one of them and turn him into a Mandalorian knight. The term Mandalorian knight we should probably be familiar with because we've met it in previous other series, which refers to Mandalorian Knight. There are not very few of them in Star Wars history, but a Mandalorian who was once a Jedi Knight. Mm-hmm. Mandalorian Knights, former Jedi Masters, who, during the Mandalorian Wars, defined the orders of the Jedi High Council and went to battle the Mandalorian Neo-Crusaders under the command of the Jedi Revan. Do-do-do. However, unlike the Revan Kiss, these rogue masters began covertly sabotaging the Galactic Republic war effort under the direction of the Maverick ex-council member Dorjander Case. Having become, or excuse me, having come to believe that the Republic was corrupt beyond redemption, Case and his followers embraced the Mandalorian way of life. The Mandalorian Knights wielded orange-bladed lightsabers. So, voila. More context about Mandalorian Knights. Mm -mm -mm. 
going back to Demigal's journal. Still in 6087, Pulsifer has sent apparently an expeditionary proposal of Terrace to Mandalore to retrieve an ancient artifact once the planet is taken. Demigal gladly comments that Pulsifer can go dig a hole. <laughs> Entry 6093. An Arcanian offshoot, offshoot woman arrives. Apparently she was brought from Van Quo. Possibly a Jedi. Demigal is apparently familiar with her kind. From not only the University of Arcania, which he studied, but also on Osidia. But he has seen none of her kind since his project collapsed. All of his records from that project apparently are all but lost. He intends to run a full battery of tests on her after he's done with Squint. Entry 6107, titled Emergency. This entry has a different tone than previous entries. Not Demigal, question mark, question mark. The entry starts with this is Demigal. Apparently, the Jedi test subjects have taken control of the Flashpoint station. He was ambushed and struck from behind by Roland, who must now be in league with the Jedi. He awoke in a storage area, stripped of his armor. His transmitter has been disabled. And the sentries here appear to be gone. Moments before they come get me, He's hiding all of his research files on a data chip hidden on his thumbnail. I will not lose another research station like I did on Osadia. Or Osadia. He now recognizes the Arcanian offshoot woman. Even though her facial markings are strange. She shares characteristics with his subjects on Osadia, but she remarks how she would have only been a child back then. Did she survive? This Arcanian offshoot woman, by the way, we know by another name from the KOTOR series, one of our main characters, Jarell, but at the time, he doesn't know her name, just to put that into context. Entry 6108 is just a test recording. Moving to entry 6109 titled In Hiding. His desperate ploy appears to have worked. Squint and co. were determined to bring him before the Republic. Instead, they take away a metal shell 
holding the body of the traitor Roland. While he rests comfortably in Roland's armor. I have to say, hearing this go down from his perspective, the trade-off, it's interesting. We know about him being confined in a smuggling compartment aboard the junk hauler that the runner arrived in. Believing the runner he's referring to is Camper. Demigal has managed to work out that Roland was in league with a boy Jedi only for the sake of rescuing the offshoot woman. The boy Jedi he's referring to, at least at the time we know, is Zane, but at the time he does not know the boy's name. The offshoot woman doesn't appear to be a Jedi. He finds this interesting. The boy tries to send him, Demigal, off with Squint. He manages to stow himself away in a container instead. Demigal apparently discovers that he had the ability to disable the speaker and sound within the helmet so he can continue his observations here within this secret journal. Weighing his options, he could either escape with the offshoot woman at the first opportunity, and he talks about how he's unfamiliar with the name that they are calling this offshoot woman, Jarrell, and determines that it is now unlikely she is connected to his work on Osadia, but if she is, he cannot be apart from her. However, at this time, he cannot reveal his presence to her until he knows more about her. He also fears that how along he can keep up the charade is rolling. Another option would be killing her companions, but trying to earn her trust would be difficult. Entry 6024 reached a port. Everyone has left the ship except for the droid who never moves. Must be LB. Demigal remarks how he seldom has the opportunity to leave this compartment because of the tinkering doter. Probably referring to Camper. Question mark. Whoever he is, his presence seems to concern Demigal, an offshoot male. If he's related to Jarrell, 
she cannot be a part of his first project. In the Republic, or excuse me, they are now deep within Republic space. His presence as a Mandalorian would be very unwelcome. And he remarks how he seems to be living well by hiding in this compartment as well as eating very well off as well. Entry 6130. He discovers that the Jedi boy's name is Zane. However, remarks that he appears to be no Jedi after all, but some reject. Appears to be working for a Snivian. He always wondered what happens to a Jedi who fails to reach knighthood and remarks this to be a shame. Demigal now wonders if there's something inside that separates a successful Jedi from an unsuccessful one and would like the opportunity to dissect Zane later on. This Snivian, we know to be Marn. Entry 6144, Jarrell knows that he's here. He got a chance to speak to her today. Saw that she was parting company with Zane and the Snivian. They were left behind, much to Demigal's relief. Only Jarrell, the droid, the old man are aboard. He completely disses the droid for failing to protect her from an assassin droid that was sent after them to retrieve the old man. He apparently emerged from hiding just in time to save her and remarks how she appears to be a talented warrior after all. He wants to reveal his identity to her, but also wants her to offer information to him willingly. Unsure if she'd be favorably disposed of him or disposed to him, and remarks how Osadio was left in shambles. If she grew up resenting him, she may not offer any information on any remaining survivors. Entry 61. Wait, do 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 go back. The last line of entry 6144, Demigal mentions the modulator in the helmet does disguise his voice enough, but how he's still afraid to remove his helmet in front of her and the old man. The old man does not appear to be related to her, but he is ailing from something unknown to him. Demigal resolves to speed that along if it becomes necessary. Entry 6168, 
At the insistence of Jarrell, they returned to Arcania to find a cure for the old man. Demigal, disguised as Roland, encourages this, but now realizes he set her on a course that he cannot follow. He apparently is left to watch the old man while she goes off to find answers. Jarrell still will not open up to him about her past, so he's going to look at genetic tests to see if she came from his first project. However, he cannot let the Arcanians know who she is for fear of losing her, so he must run these tests himself in secret. Trapped to his own devices, not only can he not set foot in his present armor in the Republic world, nor can he reveal his face to her yet as well. Jarrell says she'd never abandon the old man, but apparently she's been gone for a while. The old man is starting to regain consciousness and wonders if he knows anything about her past. If not, then Demigal may be done with him. Entry 6174. Difficulties emerge. Somehow, the old man has attracted the attention of the Adaskas, lords of Arcania. Jarrell and he have apparently been sucked into this, so now he's sitting imprisoned on a colossal research ship. This we know to be Lord Adaska's ship while he's trying to wine and dine Jarrell before his big surprise. Demigal apparently fears discovery soon, still cannot show his face around here because his face and his research are known around here. Entry 6181, Lord Adaska frees him and grants him access to one of their laboratories in exchange for sending a secret invitation to Mandalore. Demigal was apparently tempted to refuse him because he considers Lord Adaska as a part of the same racist family that ran him into the streets years ago. Apparently, the Adaskas are very single-minded with their research. Demigal, however, his philosophy is before my blade, all are equal. Demigal also confides that sending this secret invitation is in fact what he ultimately wanted because, unbeknownst to us in the KOTOR series, Demigal coded an alert to Mandalore that he was still alive disguised as the runner Roland. It will take time, but Demigal has a strand of Jarrell, excuse me, 
has a strand of Jarrell's hair to test that he got off her pillow while she was away. He is now happy to at least have lab access. Entry 6208, titled Too Close for Comfort. Mandalore has arrived on Lord Adaska's ship, but so has Squint. They appear not to have recognized, or excuse me, they appear not to recognize one another. For this, Demigol is thankful. However, he finds this very odd because the more he tries not to be Demigol, the more everyone believes him. All have arrived here to bargain for a discovery that the offshoot man has discovered. However, this is not nearly as interesting what he's discovered. If you remember in the KOTOR series, these creatures that Lord Adasco reveals to everybody is the Exogorths. It is also around this time that Roland starts acting weird around Jarrell because he's apparently discovered something about her that we don't, at the time, not only do we not know that Roland's not Roland, like, okay, you're talking about her, this big secret of hers, we don't know what it is, but then we eventually later on find out that Roland's not Roland. connection to her is what we eventually discover. This discovery is what, in fact, Demigol's referring to. Demigol also apparently remarks how the Jedi and the Mandalorians are not so different after all because they appear to all kiss the Arcanians boot and grovel. Even though he is happy to see Mandalore, he is disappointed to hear that Cassis Fett has been working up a huge propaganda folktale about the runner Roland's demise. Absolutely nothing being mentioned about Demigol's demise. Everyone apparently arrived quickly, so he was unable to finish his analysis. Both sides want him there as an interlocutor, but can't wait to get back to the lab. If the offshoot woman isn't a part of his former experience, he will happily return with Mandalore. Entry 6213, titled My Edisa, who we know to be Jarrell's real name. She is more than just one of my students. She is among the first of them, Edisa. Adaska suspected this. His researcher discovered it far quicker than I did. So he sealed his silence with blood. She exists, therefore the others must as well. Demigal resolves to get her off this ship at the first opportunity. She cannot leave with the Jedi, and she will never willingly go with Mandalore. Their only option is with the boy, 
strange fortune brings me him to me. She must be trained to use her force skills and she needs a weapon. Entry 6235, good fortune now down to zero. Zane insists they all board a gunship piloted by idiots. Demigol's line in his journal referring to these creatures as, excuse me, creatures whose brains could not be found through an autopsy. (laughs) Gathering that he's probably referring to the Momo brothers, the Ithorians. They are now deep in Mandalorian airspace. He remarks, at least the Transdotion can cook. We know that probably to be Slisk. Demigal is apparently very unhappy that Squint has come along with them. It appears that Squint is not his real name and that he is a more powerful Jedi than Zane. Demigal has managed to manipulate him, however, into being a sparring partner for Edisa. Her continued exposure to Squint and Zane should allow her Jedi flower, her excuse me, her Jedi skills to flower. There are apparently a few more concerns to score. Zane is determined to find his Snivian overlord, who we can deduce is probably Marn. Also, Squint has apparently made romantic gestures towards Edisa. Demigal is unaware of the Jedi rules on this, but it appears that Squint makes his own rules. He can also tell that Edisa is torn. Zane only being a child, she does show a lot of loyalty to him. However, Demigal's opinion of this is that these things are usually mistakes anyway. Ouch. <laughs> we eventually know who Jarrell winds up with in KOTOR, but uh, it doesn't seem like he's a fan of either of them, really, if you think about it, because if he's convinced that... Squint makes his own rules and that Squint is a very powerful man he does not want anything to do with, but yet he thinks Zane is a joke. He definitely has that fatherly opinion of the situation and how no one seems to be right for his Edisa. Very fatherly. Demigal makes reference to how he took a wife named Sybil at one point, who was a Zeltron researcher on his first project. Seeing true Zeltron theatricality made him long for a half-machine Iscaloni who raised him. Interesting. I'm going to go ahead 
as we near the end of Demigal's journal. I'm going to take a brief break so we have time to finish up the last handful of entries. Sit tight, folks. Okay. We are down to the last handful of entries contained within the secret journal of Dr. Demigal. Moving on to the next entry, number 6272, Demigal mentions they are on another silly mercy mission. Edisa loves them, so apparently he has to go along with her to continue to gain her trust. He's had no luck in finding her a weapon and remarks how the Ithorians have every weapon in their junk piles known to man, but no lightsabers. This reading this was actually kind of funny because we know the Momos brothers. We know the Momos and their love for junk. has also learned more about Zane and his experiences with the Jedi and remarks Zane's story as very interesting. However, he mentions that he will be the one to decide who profits from Edisa and her kind later on. Science here is what's important. Entry 6305, titled Progress. I have a lightsaber. The Ithorian stole it from a storehouse, and he took it from them. The weapon is sealed in resin and is labeled as an evil artifact. The Jedi do not seem to understand their own powers, and he remarks how they're all beginning to sound like Pulsifer, who Zane might have met on Jebel. So, putting this entry into context, in the grand scheme of the KOTOR series, This entry in Demigal's journal journal now uh, precedes the events of Vector and what happened on Jebel. Upon hearing the fate of his would-be aide, referring to the Mando aide, upon hearing their fate, It was very pleasing to hear. It would have also been interesting to see for scientific purposes, of course. Referring to, again, the events that occurred during the Vector storyline contained within KOTOR. As a refresher, Zane encounters... Celeste Morn, 
they eventually encounter the myrrh talisman, which, last I checked, Pulsifer managed to locate and find. They bring it back to Jebel. And in the midst of all the chaos going down on the ground, Celeste and Zane stumble across this talisman. And it takes hold of Celeste Morn. Now, we also know from Vector that the talisman would eventually be held captive with inside Lord Drapa's Ubalit, buried deep underground under many, many feet of ice there on Jebel and would eventually be rediscovered hundreds of years later and fall into the hands of Darth Vader. Or Darth Vader didn't necessarily discover it because if you remember when we reviewed Vector, there is a huge gap between the KOTOR era and the Rebellion era of Vector. Excuse me, of Vector. It does not disclose who exactly found the Ubalit. Because at the time, whoever found it, the ubalit remained unopened for many, 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 many years. And when Vader inserts himself into the situation and the ubalit is opened, he discovers, or not only he, but everybody for that matter, Luke, Leia, Han, everybody there discover what exactly is contained inside this ubalit. We know that, of course, the ubalit survives for hundreds of years. So does Celeste and the talisman, which we obviously know the fate of, kind of. Going back to Dr. Demigal's journal, scientifically, that little comment that he makes at the end that it would have been interesting to see, of course, referring to the Rakul plague that ensues from the person in possession of the Myrrh talisman. Entry 6358, the close calls are wearing on him. Edisa apparently has insisted that they accompany Zane to the Republic in an attempt to clear his name. An encounter with the Republic Navy, he nearly meets his end. 
thanks to the ship's lunatic architecture and what was going on outside, he was not exposed. They apparently will be leaving Coruscant soon on another ship. For which a droid will carry him into another shipment container so the authorities are not alarmed. Edisa has seemed to accept the reason or accept the reasons for him not showing his face to her. Now, keeping in mind, Demigol's disguise as Roland is still very much intact. His cover has not been blown yet. We also know, not only from the KOTOR series, but Star Wars in general, and watching even the Mandalorian series, it is forbidden in Mandalorian culture, at least those well devout in it, you are forbidden from showing your face or removing your helmet in the presence of others. It's interesting that how shall I say it? That cover makes perfect sense. So it makes no sense to me why he would be torn about revealing his face to her, knowing, of course, the Mandalorians are moving their helmet, not removing their helmet. She willingly accepts this. Let's see. Edisa apparently decides to go with him on her own accord. Entry 6378 titled Metellos 3. Finally, fruition achieved 20 years late. Edisa has the abilities he predicted. He needs Zane to teach her everything he knows. Squint, apparently now calling himself Malik, would have been a better teacher for her, but Demigal still very much fears his presence. Demigal also fears that Malik would steal Edisa from him. Also, if he knew that Demigal, his former tormentor, was in fact under that mask.
he would take everything. He has started to work on decasing the lightsaber from the resin. And he remarks how the Jedi who encased it meant business. <laughs> ah, yes. Unfortunately, I am no Jedi. <laughs> I can't have it. Nobody will. <laughs> Yes, that's precisely what I was thinking when I read that. Mm -hmm. Entry 6447. Edisa told them what became of her and her friends on Osadia. It is an amazing and surprising story. Their childhoods are very similar to one another, but with different ends. The boy has plans to find her fellow students. And even though the odds are overwhelmingly slim, Demigal acknowledges Zane's weird relationship with fate. Entry 6469 titled, They Live, They All Live. Failure from long ago has been erased. Zane has found it all. Together, we will reshape the galaxy. Edisa has decided to leave the others with him. At her suggestion, which Demigal remarks this is strange, again, His identity as Antos Warwick is still intact, but not for very long. His abilities, however, to persuade the others have improved since he's managed to free the lightsaber from the resin. <sighs> I will say this, and of course, a lot of you may find this funny, because we know how much XR Kun's lightsaber means to me. I dream of a day where Jarrell getting her hands on it <laughs> is not a trigger for me. <laughs> dream of the day. Um, I also remember very well telling John Jackson Miller this when he was signing my omnibus. I flipped to that part because I had it bookmarked actually. And I told him the truth and how you didn't necessarily understand it at the time when the Covenant's Jedi storehouse was being raided and the artifacts were taken. You didn't necessarily know it at the time, but then all of a sudden, XR Kun's lightsaber appears. Roland gives it to her. And 
you're left sitting there wondering, language, excuse me, but how the fuck <laughs> did Roland come across it? And what right does he have to give it to her? <laughs> it's funny, folks, because I can laugh at it. It's actually kind of funny. It's it's probably one of my most endearing traits is, you know, at some point you have to have some humility and be able to laugh at yourself. I know it. I love XR Kun very much. And so I long for the day where Jarrell having it will not make me sensitive. <laughs> Anyways, two more entries left and then we're done. Entry 64477 four, titled The Last Step. My final entry recorded with this armor. Edisa and him have left Warm Tandel for Osadia, and he intends to reveal himself once they are in hyperspace. He will omit telling her about his intervening years living as Demigol for he fears it would only upset her. And he often wonders when he finally tells her the truth, will she be pleased to see him? Titled Final Entry with no number. This is Roland Dyer, the rightful owner of this helmet. He doesn't quite know what to do with this file, but he's apparently listened to it. If his ancestors knew the Mandalorians could be so deceitful, they'd have killed they they would have killed everyone before they bred. And we get a little bit of context from Roland here at the end. He first saw Demigol as a young warrior and deemed him not to be fit to be with the Mando aid. He only wishes that he dealt with Demigol sooner. He was wrong about Jedi artifacts, wrong about the Jedi. And wrong about the Mandalorians. Demigol, however, does have one correct point. A fight with a Jedi is never a fair fight. Special powers are a crutch that a real warrior does not want or need. The stars help us when someone gets those powers that shouldn't. Like that Malik. I can tell he's going to be a real piece of work. Demigol thought that taking that crutch for themselves or for ourselves is dead wrong. Roland resolves that he knows what the real Mandalorians think of Jedi and agrees that yes, they did not like seeing the clans defeated by Jedi and disagrees that they weren't humiliated or jealous. They were just annoyed with the people who lost. 
they bring a bigger gun, fight harder. They use the force, fight harder. Mandalore the Indomitable wanted to defeat Ulit Keldroma. He should have been more indomitable. Ouch. <laughs> Lastly, ending the final entry, Roland mentions that he's bringing Carrick and his friend on a short trip to begin undoing some of the damage that monster did, meaning Demigol. After that, back to business. I'm tired of lying around. And that, my friends, concludes the secret journal of Dr. Demigol. I have to admit in closing, I loved obviously revisiting the Knights of the Old Republic. But I appreciated having the different point of view of the series through somebody else kind of, shall we say, integral to the story. I just, I really appreciated it. I honestly did. And even though... Remember, you know, thinking back to when we were reading KOTOR and the big reveal that Roland, or the man we thought was Roland, was not Roland. It was Demigal, disguised as Roland, but also disguised as a former teacher and mentor. Antos Warwick, like I said, it gets a little, uh, it gets a little muddy. I'm not going to lie. I think we've all been reading Old Republic long enough to know that we can kind of expect that with the Old Republic. But I will say this, though. You got to make sure you wear, you got to wear your good, you got to wear your good boots. It gets muddy, but I promise you, for the most part, it's worth the reward. I hope you guys have enjoyed reading this little short story. Thank you again for, as always, joining me this week. Please do not forget to like, comment, or subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. Thank you for your support. And until next week, my friends, our next journey into the Old Republic, may the Force be with you. <laughs>